0: Hey there, romance nerds. Jen and I have a special episode for you this week. We recently had the opportunity to present at the New York Library Association's annual conference, and we talked about the nitty-gritty details of Raging Romantics. We recorded that presentation for you to listen to today, so you now get to have a little insider's look into how we run the podcast. In this presentation, we covered all aspects of Raging Romantics, from its conceptualization, our technology, how we decide on episodes, all the way up to our recommendations for why you might want to create your own book or topic specific podcast. I've also included a link to the presentation in the show notes, so if you would like to view the slides, go ahead and follow that link for a nice visual component. All right, let's rage.
1: Hey there, library nerds. Thank you so much for joining us today at Raging Podcasts, where we are going to talk a little bit about starting your own podcast and why you should consider topics outside of the normal library scope. So I am Jen. I'm an outreach librarian at Northern Onondaga Public Library, and I've been reading romance since
0: 2002. I didn't think for a second. (laughs) My name's Jackie. I am the adult services librarian at Northern Onondaga Public Library at the North Syracuse branch, and I have been reading romance since 2004
1: and we both co-host our podcast *Raging romantics
0: now we did not start off immediately with a podcast our origin story begins with fabio as you can see fabio is still going strong um Jen and I first met when we were working on the library oh. truck together. I was just a baby library clerk mm-hmm. in 2016 and Jen runs the library's outreach mobile, the book mobile, the book mobile, it's the really pop-up cool. truck. Mm-hmm.
1: We pop up everywhere.
0: And um as you do on long road trips, we got started off talking about what else? Books. And with Jen and I, that included books about 7-foot-tall blue aliens with horns. Mm-hmm. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. If you don't know by the end of this, you You will know. (laughs) Um, And we started talking about it so much that in 2018, we went to our then library director, and we're like, hey, first off, we really want to buy a Fabio cutout. Second off, we really want to start a romance book club Mm -hmm. at our library. So in 2018, um, Nopal started its first ever romance book club between the covers, Mm -hmm. and we are still going strong today. Um, And then something happened in 2020 i'm not sure if you're aware of it it's called covid i know um and things kind of just obviously shut down our book club luckily we were able to get it up and running again after a couple of months we were doing the virtual thing um but jen and i during that long period we started doing even deeper dives into romance we started really going down rabbit holes into our favorite genre Mm -hmm. and our book club members started Nicely accusing us of talking way too deeply about things. The curtains are just blue, they said. Well, we decided then that we were going to be YouTube stars. (laughs) And we started Raging Romantics the youtube series thank goodness jen has common sense you're welcome and after this two youtube it was so, it was so bad <laughs> don't do it guys so um after two youtube episodes we decided that we were going to sit down and start a podcast so in september of 2020 raging romantics the podcast was born mm-hmm. um it does not sound the best those episodes are still available um for you to go listen to the sound quality really was not the best but that's okay we kept doing Mm -hmm. what we were doing and we kept plugging along all through the long winter of 2020 2021 of course we had to start recording remotely again you know due due to covid constraints the Mm -hmm. library shutting down a couple times Um, and winter in upstate new york it's not fun we live at opposite ends of the county that gets really bad lake effect we did not want to drive to meet each other so we did recording remotely for a little while um in may of 2021 we had our very first kind of breakthrough I think for the podcast and we had the realization for the first time that we could really do something with the podcast we got to interview best-selling romance author Lissa K Adams who writes the bromance book club series if you've never heard about it it's amazing highly recommend it's about men who read romance books to help save their relationships it's adorable (laughs) Um, but this was kind of like an aha moment for us And running off of that, we started seeing a lot of success, so much to the point where we went to our library director and were like, hey, we really want to make a go of this. We've been doing stuff with just kind of basic equipment that we had available at the library. And we're like, you know what, we want to up our budget. We would like to get a new technology suite, which you see arrayed here in front of you today, minus this computer, this is Nihilus. Uh, (laughs) We decided we were going to pitch. Um, a deeper library budget or deeper technology budget, as well as some more like uploading things mm-hmm. that I'll talk about in the technology portion of this discussion. And thankfully our director is super supportive of our initiatives and she's like, yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. So we started in the fall of 2021. We had new content, we had new technology, our quality and our uh, the way we did things for the podcast just skyrocketed and we really saw success from that. So much so that in January of 2022, I'm pretty sure this was the scream hurled around (laughs) the world from North Syracuse, New York. We got to interview the one, the only Ruby Dixon. The person who started it all for us. The person who started it all for us. And she is a best-selling alien romance author who has taken the world by storm, thanks to her amazing writing and TikTok. Um, Jen loves TikTok. (laughs) But since then, this entire past year has just kind of been a fever dream. We've had so many amazing opportunities thanks to this podcast and thanks to things that we've done and experimented with and that we're going to share with you through this presentation. And November 2022, we're still rolling on. We're in our third year now, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, and we're still growing.
1: Started in my closet and now here we are at Nyla. Yeah. Which is especially exciting. <laughs> So what is a raging romantic? This is kind of a term that one of us came up with. We both take credit. We can't agree on who came up with it. It was me. But it was kind of this idea that we both love to rage and we both love to rant and we love romance. So we just stuck it together. Yeah. And as a raging romantic and on the podcast, we promise we are going to bring you guys the most ridiculous deep dives into history, psychology, the ripple effects of certain romance genres, to, uh, tropes topics authors anything really that we can think of and get out of our brains we are going to somehow turn into deep ridiculous content
0: that is well researched yes yeah, super well re- I, we're librarians yeah so to start off back in September of 2020 we kept it super simple for that whole first year we did two episodes per month released on the first and the third Friday of the month they were Full-length episodes, which now looking back, they are not that full-length for us, what we consider. They were 30 to 45 minutes, roughly. um, And they looked at monthly tropes, topics, themes, authors, book discussions, something along those lines. We did one full episode where it was a deep dive into that topic where we would research, you know, the history of romance and how it's evolved over time. Or we would look at uh, vampires and where vampires started and how they got so sexy. Um, And then the second episode, we would go ahead and we would do a book talk related to that topic. So for instance, for the vampire one, um, we did our first episode of the month, number 21, Into the Unknown with Paranormal Romance. We talked about vampires, werewolves, fairies, and shifters. We talked about the drama that happened with Sherilyn Kenyon and where kind of like vampires and romance got their start in Romance Landia. And then for the book talk of that one, we looked at, um, we did Sherilyn Kenyon, Cresley Cole, and I think, of course, Twilight. Mm. You can't talk about vampires without you talking about Twilight. It,
1: whether you like it or not. So at this point now like we said we're about three years in we have done a lot of experimenting 100 percent, the podcast is not the way it was when we first started so God. we have taken a lot of different kind of chances and routes so today what we do is two full-length episodes per month so these are no longer necessarily connected sometimes we might do a series so jackie just explored forgotten genres where we kind of figured out hey what happened to pirates or what happened to vikings But it's also sometimes I just had a mood to do a banned book one or I just felt like something and we just did it. So we noticed, too, that the longer episode devoted to book talks wasn't working well and we ended up putting them into two mini-sodes instead. So the mini-sode is about 5 to 10, 20 minutes of us just doing straight-up book recommendations, talking about why you should read this book. It can fit the theme. It might just be something I feel like doing. Uh, It is also a secret way to talk about library materials. Good programs. A little sneakily.
0: So we end up having four episodes a month, roughly. Yep. Mm. So, for instance, in September, we did our two full-length episodes. The first one was Shameless and Shameful Fiction, reintroducing Eleanor Glynn, the most famous forgotten author of the early 1900s. Um, And then our first minisode, we did the series that Jen talked about. For our second full length, we talked about banned books because hashtag banned books month. And then for our second mini-sode, we did judging books by their covers and why we as librarians think it's totally okay to judge a book by its cover. Just a little bit. A little bit. You can judge a book by its cover. (laughs) And yes, you will notice that the answer to that on Apple Watch. (laughs) Thank you, Siri. (laughs) She's <laughs> sassy. <laughs> yes, we do issue content warnings for all of our episodes. We're a library. We're trying to be inclusive to our public as inclusive to our public as possible. Mm-hmm. We don't want to, you know, harm and harm anyone in any which way. And on top of that, sometimes we do talk about things that are Not necessarily divisive, but that are a little more opinionated. And Jen's going to talk about Mm -hmm. opinions and podcasts at the end of this. Um, So we just want to make sure that we put everything straightforward. Sometimes I do swear we have a swear jar where I have to put a quarter in there. Um, But we just like to make sure our public is aware of what we're going to talk about. So that's a little bit about the podcast, what we do. Let's talk about how we do it. And of course, this is a podcast. It's an audio format. It's going to have technology. Now, I'm going to say my credentials for this. I was a theater nerd. That's as far as it goes. Everything else, YouTube is your friend, Mm -hmm. I will freely admit. Um, And I just say,
1: she's like great at this for somebody who is not licensed, researched, learned at all. She has no degree in this stuff. She just figured it out. I'm a millennial. So if she can do it, you guys can do it too. Yes.
0: Um, So your technology can really be as simple and as easy and as accessible as you want it, or it can be as grand and devoted as your budget and your time and your inclination allows. This is something we started really simple and we kind of grew into what we have today. And we're really happy with what we have. I don't know if we're going to change much going forward, Mm -hmm. but who knows? We might. So there's a lot of technology considerations you're going to want to keep in mind when you start a podcast. Of course, sound. You want things to sound good, right? You're going to want technology that helps you sound good. There's so, There are so many different things out there that you can use. Um, what works for us isn't necessarily going to work for you, vice versa. Um, and you're going to have to experiment with that sound, with that physical sound. For recording, too, it's another thing. You're going to have to figure out what kind of recording you want to do, how you want to do it, what devices you want to use. Um, If you're going to do author interviews, how are you going to do author interviews or community interviews or just anything like that? And then, of course, you have to think about what happens next. You finish recording. You have it all ready to go. You hit upload. Don't just hit upload. No, don't. (laughs) You're going to want to do editing first. So what's going to happen after you've done the majority of the work and you've sat down with your pretty microphones and you threw some good banter around? Well, first and foremost, let's talk about equipment. So, when Jen and I first started, we were using what we had directly on hand. The library had blue snowball microphones, which are completely accessible. They're very budget friendly. Um, I think you can get them, well, you can get them at Target, Walmart, Amazon, Best Buy, really anywhere. And they're only like 20 bucks, I think. Or Mm -hmm. last time I looked, they were like 20 bucks. And they're really friendly. They're plug and play, which means they have a USB, and you just straight up plug it into your computer and you're ready to go. Uh, The caveat to that is you can only have one microphone per computer at a time because it does not recognize two microphones on the same computer. Um, Jen and I use GarageBand because we're Mac girlies and it was just accessible to us and we were already kind of familiar with it because of previous programming. It's very user friendly if you're a Mac person. If you're not, there's a bunch of other programs out there like Audacity is a really good one. It's free to download and you can record right there. Um, I'm gonna turn my computer around doop do, for anybody who can see. Try not to <laughs> unplug anything. Um, we're recording with GarageBand right now. And afterwards, you guys are more than welcome to come up, check out the technology, see what everything looks like, ask questions, um, because I know you're staring at Sasquatch at this other end of the room. So that's fun. But yeah, feel free to come up afterwards, and I'll show you everything like up close and personal. Um, nowadays, we have switched. We now use these lovely microphones you see ahead of you. So these are called XLR microphones. And an XLR microphone, I do not know what XLR stands for. Um, But basically, it has to be plugged into something called an audio interface. You cannot just plug it in directly to your computer. It's not plug and play. Um, It has a higher quality of sound. And by plugging into something like an audio interface, which is the middleman between your recording device and where you're storing your sound, um, it takes that those individual streams and it condenses it down into something on a computer, like an MPEG file. Um, these were uh, both on Amazon. I think at the time they weren't super expensive. I want to say like $35, $45. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. That was two years ago. Um, we also use these things called pop filters. That's this little mesh screen that you see right mm-hmm. here. And that takes out all the lovely ASMR sounds that, nope. Yeah, I have to say when you guys record yourselves for like an hour at a time,
1: you are going to discover you make the weirdest sounds without realizing it. Yeah. So if you could afford something like this, it saves Jackie sanity from yeah. hearing me.
0: And these microphones came with a pop filter, so mm-hmm. it's very handy. Um, the audio interface that she used that is this little guy, he is the baby, and I am deathly terrified of, like, doing anything to him, so I treat him very gently. Um, this was our Hail Mary. It was the biggest expense. Um Again, it's been two years, so I don't want to say a price because the price could have changed. I did a lot of research into what kind of audio interface we were going to use. And I'm perfectly happy with it. We can have two microphones. We can control ambient sound. We can control individual um, volume. So it works really well because Jen tends to talk louder than me half the time. (laughs) Um, But then I cackle a lot louder than she does. So you know, it works out in the end. It balances out. Yes. Yeah. Um, There are also virtual options that you can use to record. We did do Zoom for a while. <laughs> you can imagine how that went. We all know Zoom fun by now. Um, but we do still use Zoom for any author interviews that we have, just because it's the most accessible thing. It's free for our library. Yeah, yeah it's free the for library our library. For it. it's yeah, not,
1: like we don't pay for it. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. Uh, we have a library account that we do. That. So Thank but, you, any, library. Yeah. Um, So there's a lot of different options you can use. There's also something called Zencaster that we used for a while. It's been a couple years since we used it, but it worked for what we had. Um, So feel free to just do a little research on your own and do some experimenting into what physical equipment works best for you. Like I said, this is what we have now. So we have the two XLR microphones with the pop filters. We have our Scarlett audio interface. We have two over-the-ear headphones that have... Where are you? In the bottom of the tangle. Oh, it's okay. (laughs) An audio jack that plugs right into our audio interface so that we can hear when we make weird sounds and when the HVAC is super loud and we need to pause and wait for that to like die down. And we also have Mac, who has a lot of GarageBand files on him at this point. He's a little tired. Something else with your physical sound that you want to going to want to contemplate is the actual air around you and the space and the time that you are recording. Um, this is where my theater nerd really jumped up and was like, I got this. Um, You're going to want to think about the echo. So this room is super echoey. I don't know. You can probably hear it going on. This would not be the best space to record in. You're going to want something with more dead air where Mm -hmm. the sound is absorbed. You're going to want carpet. You're going to want paneling on the wall, preferably not glass, because glass is not a good insulator. Um, You probably have realized that if you're in New York in a building with a lot of windows in winter. So. Find some place that works the best for you. Experiment with where you want to go. We started in Jen's closet on it's the floor. It's a good
1: muffler because of all the clothes. There I read that it's an of official clothes. thing.
0: There were a lot, lot of clothes. clothes. Yeah, I have a walk-in. Uh, we had twinkle lights. It was a whole thing. I we, we it were very, very cozy.
1: atmospheric.
0: The only problem was Jen's dog hates me.
1: He doesn't, he's not
0: hateful. He just is very nervous. So we had a lot of dog noises we had to cut out. So now we record in the library after hours. um, We have it set up with our director where basically we do comp time. So the two hours that we record every two weeks, we take that two hours and we get to like knock off two hours early, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, We know it's two hours because that's how long it takes us to get all of our stuff out of the way. We talk a lot. You can probably tell that by now. Um, And just try to find something really that works for you, again. Something else you're going to have to consider is hosting and distributing. So we use a service called Blueberry, and this is not an ad for Blueberry in any sense of the way. We just happen to love them, and I will show you what it looks like um, in a little bit when we talk about statistics. Um, It is a hosting service where after I do all of the editing and all the show note writing, I upload it into Blueberry and I go beep, beep, boop. I tell them what I want to to be distributed. I hit the button that says publish and Blueberry does the thing where it gets distributed to uh apple podcast spotify podcast amazon music Sirius fm xm i can never remember which one it is it's also um, hosted through the rss feed on the library website and it's hosted through blueberry.com so there's a lot of different places that people can access this um we did this because when we were sitting down with our technology department, we're lucky enough to have a technology department at Noble, Um, We were like, hey, can we just host this on the library website? There's already a website. It would be easy, right? Unfortunately, um, after a little bit of consideration, it was brought to the realization that it would probably not be the best if a lot of people started listening, because it would slow down the library server. It would back things up. We already have the catalog running. We already have people trying to place holds or, like, check out programs and all that sort of stuff. Um, So we ended up using the distribution service of Blueberry. And like I said, we've used that since the beginning and it's Mm -hmm. best customer service. There's a couple other um, ones that you can find out there that I super recommend. And that's going to be Podbean, Zencast, and RSS.com. And those are similar um, hosting services. You will have to pay a monthly fee probably, but it's pretty nominal. Um, Right now for 250 megabytes of upload per month, which is plenty for what Jen and I do. Um, We can do two full-length episodes and two mini-episodes and still have a little room to play around, and it's $20 a month. So if we look at it as a yearly fee, that's $240, which is less than one of my craft programs. So it's all good. Um, There are cheaper options that you can explore, though, too. So. And finally, after you've uploaded, after you're like, you think you're ready to go, you are not ready to go. (laughs) A lot of podcasting is 60% the pre-production, right? It's the script writing. It's the research. It's the sitting down and actually recording things. That last 40% in our um, experience is going to be the editing, the post-production, the think, thinking if things sound right, if you should actually post that, should you talk about that, like considerations such as that, as well as if you don't have a communications or PR department, you're going to want to think about promotions and how you're going to talk about this with people and how you're going to get people excited to listen to your podcast. You did a lot of work. You want people to attend, right, because it's a library program. Um, you're going to learn things that help you with this post-production in your pre-production. So, for instance, Jen and I, Jen makes a lovely noise when we're recording, and when she makes that noise, it lets me know that I have to cut that out. Um, we also... (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, the problem is that eventually you get kind of earblind to your own voice. So I want to make it really clear to Jackie that whatever I said, <laughs> I like catch it, do not let that be published. Yes, yes. So you want like a big catchy noise. We've just also for fun
0: gotten really good at this point of being like, um, if we're when we're sitting down to record and we start talking about something, you're like, wait, wait, no, cut that out. I don't want that to be in there. Um, and so that's an audio cue to me when I go through the edit to be like, hey, cut out however many X minutes. Um, it's also really good when you have an author or a person that you're interviewing to be like, hey, just to let you know if you feel uncomfortable with something you just said, and you're like, wait, no, I don't want that to be in there to be like, just let us know, make a silly noise, or be like, cut that out, and we will cut it out. So that just gives a little bit you know, of uh, consideration to your guests. Um, On top of that, you want to consider the fact that this is an audio program. You don't get to have the fun antics of Jen and I being like up here making crazy like gestures and, you know, funny faces. Um, So you're going to want to catch your audience in some way, right? You're going to want to make them entertained. So we do things like we have a catchy intro with every single episode. We go, hey there, romance nerds. And then we tell really bad jokes. Like, really bad jokes. Well, on my end, really bad jokes. Jen really good
1: I do a good job.
0: She's the pun queen. Um, We also include music around our intro. So we have something that sounds a little bit like the Bridgerton theme. You know, it's very on brand. Um, We also do, like, fun sci-fi music when we did a sci-fi month. And we had Halloween music for all this past month. And I have also started including bloopers because you can probably tell we have a lot of bloopers when we talk. And that is just a way that I included it at the very end. And it makes people listen all the way to the very end to hear what antics we got up to. Yeah.
1: I mean, really, I just want to stress to you guys, experiment as much as you can. Please don't expect to be good right away, if I can be blunt. Like, we were really bad the first episode. If I could physically remove the episodes from the internet and burn them, I would. The first couple.
0: But we've tried and we can't. It
1: just it takes a while to get used to it because it is a little strange to to feel like, okay, I'm having a conversation with Jackie. But really, you're trying to do like an informative, entertaining kind of podcast for a wider audience. Mm -hmm. So it takes a little bit to get into that mindset to realize um, how much more work your voice alone has to do. Because I I am in the habit of being really crazy with my hands and my face and that doesn't carry well. So the, probably the first 10 to 20 episodes, it's going to take you a minute to really settle in, figure out how you want to do this, how you're going to sound, and just to be comfortable just talking into the mic in a, in a dark room to a laptop. Yeah. Yeah. So do not be sad or give up early when you listen back to the first episode and you're like, oh god, this is the worst thing ever.
0: Yeah. Um, Even the best better. podcasters sounded terrible yeah. at the beginning. My mm-hmm. favorite podcast is a true crime, Red Handed. Their first episode they recorded in a cupboard under the stairs. They're British. Mm-hmm. In a cupboard under the stairs, a la Harry Potter, they locked themselves on accident in that cupboard <laughs> and had to have the fire department come <laughs> rescue them.
1: See, we were in a closet, but I never locked you in This anywhere. is true this is true thank you for that yeah. so just don't just don't get discouraged keep trying the more you practice the more natural it'll feel and the more you kind of get into the sense of like all right this is going to work versus this yep also probably the biggest thing you can do with your sound is admit when you're wrong I think librarians are already seen as pretty trusted sources. And it doesn't hurt or harm us for us to be like, you know, me and Jackie got that fact wrong the last time. I wasn't super thrilled with how I presented something. Just the next episode, you're like, I'm sorry, here's the actual truth.
0: It also helps your audience trust you a little bit more to be like, hey, I Mm -hmm. did this wrong. Like, for instance, I said Bella Luigi instead of Bella Lugosi in our most recent (laughs) vampire episode. So I get things wrong a lot. Mm -hmm. It's fine. We're human. We're going to make errors. So So don't worry about
1: Mm -hmm. it. So with all of that in mind, you know we've kind of sat down. We thought about the production. And we thought about the practical matters. But you don't want to spend a lot of time on the sound and not worry about what you're actually going to say. So I want to spend a little time thinking about some best practice things that we have learned the hard way so you guys don't have to be as stressed out as we were for the first uh, two years of filming this. So probably the first thing you're going to want to kind of think about before you even get started, your subject. Unless you know ahead of time you want to create a podcast with a specific end date, you need to pick something that you can talk about probably for a couple of years uh, until you guys move jobs or until somebody dies or gets disinterested. Like we're already on year three and we probably still have material for god decades. Like there's a lot to talk about in romance. So picking something, there's two things you really want to keep in mind. Number one, you need to actually love what you're talking about. That feels like a dumb thing to say, But I feel like some people have an impulse of, let me pick this topic I think my boss is going to love. Let me pick something that feels a little more palatable to an audience. Sometimes romance can feel a little uncomfortable to talk about because it's still very maligned and it's still very um, disrespected. And that's why for us, it was so important to pick romance and to pick something we were passionate and loved because it just makes a better podcast. If you pick something because, you know, your boss loves fly fishing, but you've never been to the river. Like, it's not going to work. It's going to really suck. And you're going to sound forced and boring and you're going to die in a pile of like it's not going to work. It's not going to. (laughs) It's terrible. So with that in mind, number two is you need to pick a topic or a subject or a genre. with something you have a wide base of knowledge and you still have things you want to learn about. I find with us, Jackie and I picked romance because, yes, we do have a wide base of knowledge. We keep up on trends. We do a lot of research. We do a lot of reading. But there's still so much to explore. Romance is something that is ever-evolving. It changes constantly. And then, like, romance doesn't start with bodice rippers. Like, there are centuries of history to talk about with romance. So there is always something new to learn about. I find when I am focusing on my episodes, what helps me the most is to think about something I have a question about or something I want to learn about. So for Halloween, we did a really special episode of Monster Romance. If you know, you know. And Texas. there were some things I kind of knew about just because, okay, so like we're getting nicer to, to untraditional heroes and we're like having different interpretations of monsters. So, okay, some of this makes sense. But I did not realize we actually have kind of like a foundational myths of animal bridegrooms and folklore. So we had a really long conversation about that that ended up being kind of like the gem of the episode because it was something we were both learning and exploring together. Yeah. So, I would think about it that way when you're sitting down to think about your subject. In that sense, we've got our subject, you have to be really careful with the research. It ends up being a little bit of a double-edged sword to be a work podcast because on one hand, we have a lot of credibility as a librarian. Fair or not, people just kind of trust us, we're seen as more of authoritative, we're seen as more of a trusted source of knowledge, right? So, we already kind of have like a foot in the door there. The same hand, you don't want to say something stupid because you are so trusted. Like if you lose that credibility, it's hard to get it back. So we put in a lot of work and research. That is why our current kind of like pre and post-production is 60-40. Conservatively, our note pages are like six to 10 pages just of notes and then probably the topic that was the longest notes for me was like 25 pages. So we do a lot of work to read and research and think just before we even get recorded. Again, you don't want to sound dumb. That like that's one of my personal goals, you know. And I want to make sure too, you guys sound smart.
0: Gotta I gotta use those degrees for yeah. something.
1: <laughs> I gotta show that it was worth it. So we also cite our sources in our show notes. We have very detailed show notes for all of our episodes because we want to be able to say, hey, look, this is where I got that fact. This is why I'm right. Don't come for me. Um, if you want to investigate yourself, you can. But this is where this information came from. So that is also very important to cite. But we're already good at that. So I'm not worried that you guys are going to screw that up. So once you have all this research, then it's time to do the script. We started off off the top of our heads because we were a little cocky. And we thought, okay, we know what we're doing. We're smart. We have degrees. We can just talk off the top of our head about stuff. Spoiler alert, we didn't. No, we can't. No, it was a lot of rambling. It was a lot of nonsense. It was a lot of like weird conversational turns. The, The first episode we ever did, we had to redo three times. So just skip that part for yourself. And what we do now is sit down and we do do very elaborate scripts. I think for some people, it seems like it's a lot of work, but honestly, it gives you kind of a trial run of your episode. So you can kind of sit down and think, okay, this is what I want the flow to look like. These are the points I want to make. These are the conclusions I want to bring people to. It's really hard to do that naturally, even though we've done this three years so absolutely, especially if you guys are starting, I would really recommend sitting down, taking a couple hours, and really, like, even word by word if you have to. You, you run the risk of sounding like you're reading on, out loud, but it's, it's better than saying something really crazy. So there is that. But one of the most important things, you have to decide if you're going to take a co-host or not. The co-host, it really depends on your topic. So romance is something that you kind of have to discuss with another person because it's not going to be interesting if it's just me talking into a microphone. It's like if it's only my viewpoints, if it's only my opinions or ideas, it's just nobody cares. So it's much more interesting for me to argue with Jackie about something, to learn something with Jackie uh, like, one of our ongoing jokes is we keep fighting over whether cow- uh, country stars count as, like, a cowboy romance or, like, a rock star romance. They're cowboys. They're, they don't do cowboy things. They wear cowboy hats. <laughs> they, no, they do. No, no, no. So it's just already. That's already much interesting than if I was just here, like, all right, this is why this is the way it is. One, two, three, four, as opposed to Jackie cutting in and being wrong. So, uh. <laughs> OK, Excuse so you. just like without a second person, it would be a very dry podcast and romance is not a dry genre. OK, so just think <laughs> of it in that sense. Hopefully. <laughs> but 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 I can see a single person working if it's something like with less different opinions. Uh, for example, no offense to cheesemakers, but I imagine if you wanted to do a cheesemaking program, there's not a lot of different ways to talk about the method of making cheese, the history of Parmesan. You probably could sit here and just, you know, go right into the mic. This is where cheddar came from. So it absolutely does depend on your subject. I don't want to say it's 100% yes or no to either answer. If you do go the co co-house route, though, it is really important that you guys get along. This is not the time to offer an olive branch to the coworker that annoys you. Um, Jackie and I, we were really lucky that we've already been working together for so many years. We already kind of knew we had a banter. We would already like established all of these things. And that's kind of what you want to look for. It is very uncomfortable and it would be very hard for you to work with somebody you wanted to strangle nine times out of 10. OK, me and Jackie, it's like one out of 10. It's fine. <laughs> we are totally good. Six so, out of 10. Absolutely pick somebody that you can have interesting conversations with, somebody you could have good banter with. It's better if it's it's both, but you know, one or the other works. Uh, You just have to realize, too, that if you get too self-indulgent with your conversations, you are going to have a lot of nonsense to cut out later. Because if you get into kind of that mindset of, oh, I'm just having a conversation with my coworker, and then it ends up being useless material because you get into a weird cycle of this stupid cowboy rock
0: star fight nobody cares about. Or in the monster episode we just did, Jen and I went on a very long librarian tangent about where you would classify monster romance. Like, we just came up with a monster escalator of, like, starting with vampires and ending with Sasquatch. So. No,
1: Sasquatch isn't at the top. No. Like, a big blob would be the top. Blob See, man. We do yeah. This is yeah, only interesting to librarians. <laughs> other people would not care. So we had to cut a lot of that out. <laughs> so definitely lots of things to think about with a co-host. The other sad thing, if you do, do with, like, a single person, you're doing 100% of the work. But it also gives you 100% of control. So that is one of the nice kind of, like, benefits, sad parts. Jackie and me, we do split this up. I hope pretty well. Usually Mm -hmm. I do have to say Jackie does a little more work than me because I'm usually out of the building on the truck. But then we also have to compromise with each other even when we don't want to. So it is something to seriously think down or to think about. Yeah.
0: You we do um, alternate hosting months. I think we forgot to say that. So where um, Jen will do mm-hmm. well now we alternate episodes yeah. actually. So Jen will do one episode. I'll do one up. So during summer reading. Jen was a lot busier than I because she was on the truck and mm-hmm. I'm an adult services librarian. Um, so it was much less busy for me. So I did that series mm-hmm. about lost genres at the time. Um, but it is very nice to like be able to take a step back and be like I know Jen's got this yeah. I trust her with this episode so you. you're welcome so nice
1: so yeah if you've got that kind of support then it works great co-host otherwise just go it alone so your voice then once you've got all of these other aspects is probably going to be the hardest part to really juggle your metaphorical voice your metaf- well obviously you should make sure you sound clear and good and don't talk with a cold um I'm, I had a flu last week so I'm hoping I'm good sorry to you guys sorry to you (laughs) but jackie is it's something jackie and i still work on tweaking and improving our voice and kind of our tone and how we approach things on the podcast this is a work podcast so i don't want to get fired because i said something too out of bounds it's ended up taking some trial and error because again you get kind of like in a comfortable flow with a friend and then you forget oh that's not for work yeah so what we have done after some trial and error is I have called them raging regulations, which are kind of like our ground rules for how we should approach script writing and talking. So they're kind of like sentiments that I keep in the back of my head when I'm talking to make sure I'm kind of like on the straight and narrow. So number one, we support and promote inclusivity, intellectual freedom, diversity, and happy endings for everybody. We support positivity over negativity when we talk. Our opinions and our viewpoints do not have to be the same, but we absolutely have to approve of whatever we said before it's published. So no tricks. She can't like get me with a bad joke I regretted. <laughs> and also we should focus on talking more about the things we love over the things we hate. I feel like overall this has helped us be a little more positive, less negative. I absolutely do not want to end up like accidentally bashing an author I hate. So this kind of keeps us you know, on the straight and narrow. So you might not have raging regulations yourself, because I just like the way it sounds. But absolutely, you need to sit down and think about some ground rules, some directional things. So you don't say something and are totally surprised by what popped out of your mouth, which has happened a couple of times. Yeah, a couple. (laughs) Yeah. And then this ends up kind of being a question of, well, are you going to do more of a neutral podcast? or Are you going to make it a little more opinionated? Obviously, you can make it purely neutral, purely informative. And it is the safest option and that absolutely does not mean it's going to be boring if you just present the facts and the resources your library has. If you just keep it, you know, straight and narrow, you don't worry about it. Uh, Jackie and I took the harder way, (laughs) of course, where we decided, okay, we are going to carefully share some thoughts and opinions we have. It ends up being a trickier line to walk just because, you know, we still have to keep it appropriate. We still have to be professionals. But. In a genre like romance, if you guys know, romance readers are not gonna respect you, particularly if they don't know where you stand on certain topics. Yeah. So the podcast wouldn't have survived if we kept um, purely neutral about things like, like we just talked about in Banned Book Week, uh, there's like a Nazi romance that was challenged. So we talked a lot about that and like, hey, that this makes us super uncomfortable. Um, I was not gonna lie about that. Uh, it ends up being hard to be general about certain things So we're not going to lie, we are progressive millennials. Uh, We don't go too far over the line, but there's just certain things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We're not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Yes, (laughs) and it just influences how we interact and think about romance. So that might end up being a problem for you guys with your series or your themes, and that's definitely something to think about.
0: So we have talked about how we do things with raging romantics um we've talked about why we do some of the things that we do let's go ahead and talk about a subject that jen and i wish had been more transparent when we were starting our own podcast so something for some reason that nobody really likes to talk about is the numbers and i'm not talking about the cost i will freely tell you how much everything costs on this table except this because this is not my computer Um, so we're going to talk about all of the statistics because we're librarians and we love a good stats rundown. Um, this is also basically a library program, right? A podcast is a library program. So we want to make sure that we're gauging our success, that we're gauging how things are going, um, and that we can continue to justifiably use taxpayer money to talk about romance books and romance landia. So before I show you what the actual numbers look like for Raging Romantics, let's go ahead and I'm just going to break down some of the topics that you might want to look at specifically when you're talking about your stats. Um, So distribution, how are you being distributed? What channels are you going through? How are people actually able to go find your podcast, right? Um, Listenership, who's listening? Is it just um, your best friend who happens to live down the street with us. That's how it started. Uh, You can Um, force them to listen to it. It's great. (laughs) You can make them listen to it. It's excellent. Um, Or is it a little broader? Is it outside of your community? What is your community? Um, You can also look at engagement rates. So how much of the episode are people listening to? How much of those um, impactful plays, which I'll explain in a moment, are um, accumulating? You can also look at trends over time or the tots. Um, So trends are things like What's popular? When are people listening? Um, Is there a specific subject that they're liking or not liking? So one of the trends we noticed was that long-form readers advisory, basically, that we were doing with book talks, um, where we sat down with, like, two books per month and Mm -hmm. talked about them. People didn't like that, but they really liked our deep dives. So that's how we move forward to doing two deep dives per month. Um, You can also look at traffic, so how many people both physically are coming into the library and being like, hey, I listened to your podcast. That was super cool. Thanks, guys. Um, Or how many people are, like, emailing you, clicking on things, going to your website. Um, How many people are talking about it on social media? You can also look at your reviews if you're distributed through podcast uh, distributions like Apple or Spotify. You can log in and check what reviews you're getting. Um, and again, that community engagement, what involves your community. Oops, sorry. I got to click the button here. So let's go ahead and let's take a look at some of the numbers. Do, do, do I have to sign in? Sorry, guys. It's a great show Do, 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 do. It's OK, it's like they're here from the beginning. Yeah. Is that my password? Hey, it was my password! You did it, good job. <laughs> it's always lovely when I can find my actual password. OK, so this is what I see whenever I log in to our distribution hosting service, Blueberry. And um, it shows us basically our entire lifetime statistics. But we're a library, we like to look at specific set amount of time. So we're gonna look at um, a single month because that's what I send to my manager when I'm talking about podcast success. So I'm gonna change it from all time. Let's look at October 1st through the 31st. So for the month of October, we had can everybody see the cursor yeah so we had 384 downloads i'm gonna use downloads and listens interchangeably um we're really happy with this number we have no idea if this is actually a good number because nobody else talks about their numbers but we're happy with it so that's i like this i think we're good um so that's how many downloads we had in a month and we like to track um, downloads month to month to see like how we're trending on that front um, we can also look at this section which is the impactful plays and that's your engagement rate how many people are actually listening to at least three quarters of the episode um, we have an 85% engagement rate for the month of October I'm super happy with that I'll show you what we started at here in a minute and scroll down we can see here more of that retention in a nice lovely graph so we have that engagement rate again We don't typically pay attention to the average listen length just because we have both short form and long form podcast episodes. So that kind of messes with how long people are listening to. If you have a 10 minute episode followed by an hour plus episode, that average is going to be really skewed because of that. So we don't really look at that. But if you're just doing like a solid 30 minute episode every week, definitely take that into consideration. We can also see here our trends. Really, the only thing that we pay attention to with trends is, A, what people are liking over time, and then this also tells us that at the end of the month, people are binging the episodes, Mm -hmm. and we've also had people tell us that they wait to binge episodes to the end of the month. So if we have things that we do like giveaways or if we want to hype an author talk for an entire month, then we know that the end of the month is probably going to be the best time to do something like that. And the fun part for me, seeing our distribution throughout the world. So the darker blue you see is going to be a higher concentration of listeners. Lighter blue is going to be lesser concentration. Um, So we have actually a pretty global distribution. So we have a pretty wide community, actually, for Raging Romantics. And if we scroll into just the United States, we can see here that, of course, we're in New York Public Library. Um, most of our listeners for the month of October were from New York. No surprise there. We have yet to break into Montana. So, so if anybody knows Montana people, make them listen to us. Thank you. We had a great cowboy episode. <laughs> hey, yeah. Let them know. I'll give you a link you can send them. It'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> oh, come here. Where's the scrolly? Um, yeah, so it's just further breakdown. And now, if you look at that map of the world, you might be like, oh, Those South American listeners, those African listeners, they were just bots, right? Well, our bots are less than 1% of our listenership. Um, So we actually have a pretty decent human listenership. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully it's not like AI doing something. Um, But this also tells us how people are listening to us. Um, So mobile applications, we can see here, is our biggest distribution channel. Um, So again, the Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, people like me who listen in the car on their drive to work. Um, So this can also tell us if we want to, um, how we're going to talk about the podcast to people who come into the library. So if, for instance, more people were listening on web browsers, I would be like, hey, here's our website. This is where you can go to, to listen to the podcast. Most people tend to listen to podcasts on their phone. So if they come in, I'll be like, hey, let me show you where you can find us and just kind of like at the same time, I'll also talk about Libby a lot. I'll be like, at the at the moment, have you tried downloadable audiobooks? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. We can also look at episodes and how episodes are doing. So these were episodes that were listened to in the month of October. And if I sort them by most listened to, I can see that. Our two full-length episodes were more listened to than our two mini-sodes, but, you know, witches were doing really great, which is good because we're doing a full-length witch episode here in November. Um, And then this Graves interview, we did an author with Jillian Graves, who's like a breakout monster romance indie star, um, and she actually talked about us on her social media, so we got a lot of good hits from that. But that's basically what I look at when I look at statistics. Um and it helps us kind of gauge our success and on that note for gauging success um, one of the things that we looked at as we're going from like year to year season to season to figure out if we want to change anything how we want to do things is looking at are people actually attending this as a library program right So when we first started, these are our year one stats between September 2020 and September 2021. We had a total of 822 downloads. If we break that down into a month by month, that is 68 people attending a library program per month. I don't know about your guys' library. We're a smaller rural community. Mm -hmm. If I had 68 people coming to one of my uh, programs, I would be over the moon and Mm -hmm. also very worried about how many people were in that community (laughs) room at the same time. (laughs) Um, We had a 71% engagement rate, which, you know, that's pretty good good. in my book. Um, And then if I look at year two. Between September 2021 and September 2022, we had almost 4,000 downloads, and our engagement rate jumped by 8%. Um, Again, if we break that down into monthly demographics, that's 342-ish people, Mm -hmm. I think, attending a library program in a month, which... For some of our libraries in the county, that's more foot traffic than they see in a single like monthly yeah. period. So for us, I'm happy. We're really happy <laughs> with that, and we think it's totally justifiable to keep doing what we're doing. Um, and again, your numbers might not be the same. Every lo- library's success is different. So just kind of look at it as you would look at it as any other program. Engage it that way.
1: Who knows? Your numbers could be better.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if they are, let us know because we are very competitive. <laughs> Um, Another way that we gauge success is we look at our community. Um, And for our community, this can get a little iffy sometimes when you're talking about a library community because of course there's one mindset being library, taxpayer money, it is just the people who are paying taxes to fund your library. And that is totally justifiable on one end. Um, But at the same time, Jen and I are talking about romance Mm -hmm. books and we're connecting people with romance books who might not have thought of this genre in this way previously, right? So we have had a huge community engagement from the romance community at large, from Romance Landia. We've interviewed best-selling authors like Lisa K. Adams, Ruby Dixon, Christina Lauren, Tessa Bailey, Jillian Graves, local authors like Nikki Greenwood and Tracy Brody, um, Harlequin author Carol Opalinski. We've also talked to really smart people at universities. Like smarter than us. Like They have more degrees than us. (laughs) Um, Dr. Ewan Haig, who I talked Scottish with, and Dr. Hilary Hallett, who um, wrote uh, an entire biography on Eleanor Glynn. Um, We also get to talk with people who are really active in the social justice era or like... um, movement of Romance Landia, like The Ripped Bodice, which is a romance-only bookstore in Los Angeles. They are super cool people. I highly recommend you follow them on social media. One day, we are hoping to convince the library to fly us out <laughs> so that we can, like, visit mm-hmm. it and do some sort of special thing with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're great. So, now, we have talked about how we do things and why we do things that we do, but why should you guys start a genre-specific podcast or even if it's not a genre-specific but something that's more specific than just a library-centric podcast right most library-focused podcasts that jen and i have come across and this is no shade to anybody who runs anything like that no we love them they're great yeah they're yeah, good they're super awesome the thing is they tend to be more focused for library people that is their targeted demographic for the most part um, they tend to really talk about things like existing library programs or services and how we can improve them or just kind of like disseminating that information in general. There's also a lot about data for libraries, which, if you're not a library personnel, that might not be the most exciting thing to listen to. We love numbers. Mm-hmm. Not that much. <laughs> I love a good Excel not sheet. That much. Uh, but Joe Schmo on the street might be like, oh my God, I don't care about how many people went to your program. Just give me the deets, right? Um, There's also a lot of professional development for fellow library workers that happens on podcasts. So talk about job, career, opportunity growths and like how we can do things and how we can like improve what we do. Um, And there is of course Reader's Advisory. I'm not saying no library podcast ever has done Reader's Advisory, but it does tend to be a little more generalized than what Jen and I have done. Mm -hmm. So some of the most library centric podcasts that I have come across that have been the most successful. Um, we have The Librarian Is In, which is the New York Public Library's podcast about books, culture, and what to read next. They talk a lot about library culture in there, too, and what the library is doing for its community. We love the New York Public Library. Um, the Dewey Decibel podcast is the ALA, ALA's American Libraries magazine. The editor of that magazine talks about... Hot button library issues. So it's basically the magazine, but in podcast format, they talk a lot about things like first amendment audits, long COVID, poverty in the libraries, that sort of thing. Very important conversations to have, but still things that are more like library focused you have the library pros who are two digital service librarians and they talk about libraries library tech and everything in between and a little too quiet which i love that title <laughs> and it is the ferndale public library and they talk about book chatter with librarians community perspectives and author interviews it's kind of like one big book club for them but it's very generalized to their actual collection versus what jen and i did which was finding a niche and running pell-mell with it um, and finding that niche is really beneficial, we think, because you're creating conversations that you might not have had mm-hmm. otherwise. You're not only creating conversations with your co-host or with your other staff, but with your community at large, um, however large that mm-hmm. community may be. And you're connecting readers with books and ideas that, again, they might not have experienced before. Jen and I certainly, we talk a lot about the impact of alien romance <laughs> and like how great <laughs> it would be to be on a nice planet, maybe. <laughs> Um, And some readers are like, this is in books? And we're like, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. It's great. Um, We're also at the same time expanding our own readership and knowledge. So for instance, I just did a Scottish episode Mm -hmm. where I talked about, you know, the history of Scotland and the diaspora of the Scottish people into the United States um, post Jacobite Rebellion. And Jen was like, I didn't know any of this stuff. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, you learn a lot too,
1: which is awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And on top of that, you're doing something fun. Right. And I asked this question in an earlier panel about career fatigue and how you can like battle career fatigue. And for Jen and I Mm -hmm. in the post-COVID era, this has really been something we've done that has helped us get excited about our job. Like if I'm having a bad day with a rough patron, I'm like, I get to record with Jen tonight and she's Mm going to tell me a great joke. And then we're going to like, I don't know, we're going to do something fun. So it's entertaining to do. There are podcasts that do similar things that are somehow associated with the library. Um, For the most part, I really had to dig for a library that actually had, like, a very specific-centric thing that they were highlighting. And that was the Dauphin County Library System. Um, And that is the... The LGBTQ plus staff highlights queer books and voices in their collections. Um, you also have the cyberpunk librarian. And sorry, that was reading the rainbow. Um, cyberpunk librarian is the ILS administrator at Bowling Green at the Bowling Green Public Library in Kentucky. Um, and they talk about technology for libraries on every budget and what you can do with technology. Smart podcast, Trashy Books. Um, they have a blog by another name completely. Um, it is a romance podcast that is for community it's a community for romance readers to share the books they like, and they didn't, and they're very snarky about it, and it is just very fun to listen to, especially on a Friday night when you just want to decompress, and you're like, yeah, let's bash those books. Thank you. And on that note, the worst bestsellers is a writer, and I'm pretty sure she's a children's librarian. Um, they read and debate books that have lukewarm and negative reviews. So that's always something fun to do. So other people have done something similar. Jen and I, we just found a niche that's all about Romancelandia so now the final big question why why should you guys start a podcast that is specific to a genre specific to a theme that is not library related and in mine and jen's mind one of the biggest things is you're giving the library a voice Mm -hmm. that most people haven't necessarily thought about
1: I think especially when we compare our podcast to something like a traditional podcast, we are able to connect with people who don't use the library. And for me, that's one of my biggest goals on top of, you know, like having fun, learning stuff, hopefully making people think about different things. But, you know, it is a way to connect with non-library users and kind of secretly in my best secret agent way, remind them that, uh, hey, libraries are really cool. So usually what we do is we we don't make like a big deal about it, but we do really remind people we're from Nopal. We've got all these cool things. We've got all these cool books and resources. I am hoping for us too that we make library staff more approachable. Uh, I have to tell you, like my best friend, in the entire universe, she does not like libraries, which is really sad because she had such a terrible experience with a librarian when she was younger and she's just never felt welcome. Even though I've been friends with her for like 20 years, it like the two things live kind of separately in her mind. So for people who are who are like that, where they don't feel welcome, they feel pushed out. I'm hoping you know they think about me and Jackie, and we try to be very friendly and approachable and accessible. And I'm hoping you know they'll give libraries another chance, yeah. where we'll, you know, we kind of subtly be like,
0: you know, the library is a really cool place. Hey, you should go you know see you if your library go check it has it. Out. This. <laughs>
1: Go recommend this book mm-hmm. to your local librarian. So it ends up being a way to kind of percent libraries and a new accessible way that is not beating people over the head with it. Yeah. And we are reaching out to people who, there are lots of romance readers in our area and they're not all library users. Correct. So it is a sneaky
0: way to reach out to them. Like, yeah, a little earworm. Mm-hmm. Go check out your local library and get a library card. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, we have had people who listen
1: to the podcast and came into the library or came to our book club because they were like, oh, you guys are cool. You talked about really cool things. I want this book. I want to learn more. So on a small scale, it is working. And,
0: you know, we're going for our world domination. Eventually, it'll be even more. Yeah, slowly but surely. We're getting there. So that does bring us to the end. If you guys would like to get in contact with us, um, you can find the library on Facebook and Instagram at Northern Onondaga Public Library. We do have a Twitter, which is NOP Library. Um, not Nopal because that is the New Orleans Public Library. Not as it's cool very as us. similar. We're not the same, though. <laughs> um, our website is nopal.org slash raging romantics. Um, even if you just like Google Raging Romantics podcast, it should take you right to that. Um, if you want to go directly to our feed, it's blueberry.com slash Nopal. That's blueberry without an E for the berry.
1: Um, and you can also email us at ragingromantics at nopal.org.
0: All right. So thank you guys, and thank you. Thank you, cool.